This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Truck Guy Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Guy. This is episode four, and we're pleased to wrap up our very first season with a bang. On this show, we're going to be talking with Ben Rivera. He's the CEO of Leatherman Tool Group, and we're going to be chatting about overlanding. That's the type of self-reliant camping in which one places all the gear they need, including the tent, aboard their pickup truck or 4x4. In addition to leading a company which produces top-grade multi-tools for markets around the world, Ben is a massive gearhead, holding the keys to a couple of land cruisers and a jeep that's seen plenty of off-road time. As an engineer, Ben is always seeking better ways to build things, including his off-road rigs, of course. So join us as he describes some of the modifications he's made to his land cruisers for overlanding, what he feels are some of the essential items people are going to need when they take their rigs into the country for a bit of camping, and what the CEO of Leatherman chooses to deploy as his everyday carry multi-tool. That's all coming up in the next half hour on the Truck Guy Podcast. This is the Truck Guy Podcast with your host, Matthew Guy. Welcome to the show. We're glad to have you here. Thank you, Matthew. <laughs> it's absolutely fantastic. I'm looking forward to talking about trucks and, and your rigs and some overlanding stuff that you've done. But for any listener who might not be familiar or totally familiar, just tell us a bit about Leatherman. Tell us a bit about where you work. All right. Well, well, Matthew, my name is Ben Rivera, and I'm the CEO of Leatherman Tool Group. Yes, sir. Uh, I've been with Leatherman for almost exactly 30 years as it stands right now, of which eight of them have been in the leadership position that I'm in today. Uh, you know, I, I came to work here as a manufacturing engineer back when we just had I was the manufacturing engineering. Well, I was the engineering department, <laughs> and uh, and today we have about 550 employees here in Portland, Oregon, where we turn coils of steel from uh, that we purchased from a mill in Ohio. On we bring those into the east end of the building. We ship out Leatherman tools on the west end of the building. Wow! And just straight from one end to the other, that must be pretty satisfying to see. Oh, you know, of course, I'm. It, it's what I. It, it's what gets me out of bed every single day, and and what what Leatherman I feel like. What our real core purpose is, is, is creating real value. And, and, you know, our mission is about epic tales of triumph. And, and those epic tales of triumph are about saving steps and saving the day and saving the lives, which sounds like a tagline, but it's not. <laughs> it's, no. truly what, it's truly what, what gets me out of bed every day is seeing our products and getting, hearing people tell, share stories about how our products 
help them save their trip uh, or or sometimes even save a life. Um, and and I, I would even go so far as to say that some of our epic tales of triumph are not even just about how the tools are used, about, but, but even about relationships that are forged through the use of the tools or through working in the company uh, or through the relationships that would have been honed over the decades that we've been doing this um, with our cons- with the customers too. Yeah, because you guys get a lot of feedback and you hear these stories and you've created like a wall of fame of such for for, for some of these stories and some of the tools that have made their way back to you. Yeah, I, I, I'm a collector of, we call them tool tales, but I'm a collector of uh, emails, letters, yeah. phone calls, notes uh, that consumers and uh, have shared with us about, about our products. Um, some of my favorite ones, one of my favorite ones is actually, is a Land Cruiser story out of Africa. Another right. one of my favorite ones actually is, is uh, from the space flights. You know, uh, I think nearly every space mission since Leatherman's been in business has carried a Leatherman tool on it, which I'm, I'm particularly proud of because when you think about all the things that, that they have to take with them on a spaceship and that it costs them $10,000 a pound to launch it into space, right. uh, that, that a Leatherman tool would be valued among um, all the other things that they could choose to take with them um, at that cost of even taking it along. So that's incredible. Uh, if, there's, if there happens to be an astronaut on the call here, I'd love to have a, uh, a, a Leatherman tool that's actually been in space. <laughs> I would be proud to own that. <laughs> that would be epic. <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty awesome. I mean, well, it sounds like you're in the absolute right company in the right spot for someone who's such an avid outdoors person. Um, and you've got some four by fours yourself. Can, can you tell us about what you've got in the graduate? Cause you've done some overlanding and things like that. I appreciate you asking. Some people will be be sorry they asked that question. I have owned a lot of cars in my life, and I've owned sports cars, and I've owned a lot of overland rigs in this. I I don't own, currently, I don't own a single sports car because I just, I found all my time is focused on, uh, I just enjoy the most driving uh, a four wheel drive off road vehicle over a a low riding sports car. So, my very first off road vehicle, well, actually, my very first one was a Bronco that I sold. When I got married, because I needed a little money to to pay for a wedding and a wedding ring, and then, I uh, that too, <laughs> but I have, but I my my oldest one that I have in my right now, and I, I guess my kids call it a collection, is an '84 Land Cruiser FJ60, which I actually wow. pur- I purchased that with my very first paycheck from Leatherman as a down payment, and how I cool is that? And I I worked on it for 25 years, building it up and putting 270 thousand miles on it, and I still have it today, and I still love that truck. <laughs> I bet you do. They're legendary. It, it's it's a little worn. <laughs> I took it on the. I actually I took it on the Rubicon Trail, oh five or six years ago now, and yeah. I did a lot of damage, a lot of body damage to it. Mechanically, it's perfect. Right. Body what body's not looking so good. I keep thinking I'm going to fix this thing someday because it means so much to me. And then I, and then I'm like, a I don't drive it a lot, and b oh. I kind of I kind of each one of those dents and scrapes has a bit of a, a, a bit of a memory associated with it. So I, so far I haven't uh, elected to make those repairs. Exactly. Every dent has a story. You're like, okay, so that was on this trail. over. Yeah, here. exactly. This is where my friend said he would spot me and I backed into a log and then he said, you hit it. And I'm like, okay, thank you for the spotting. And then every time I see that, Dan, I'm remembering my buddy, John backing me and spotting for me. <laughs> with friends like that, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. And then, uh, so then, um, besides the FJ60, um, my next vehicle is a. Uh, I have a. Currently, I'm driving a. I, actually, my daily driver is a 2014 Land Cruiser uh, 200 Series. Wow. And I bought honestly, I bought that. My first Land Cruiser had done so much for me over the years that I, I retired. I didn't sell it. I retired it 
to the to the garage, and I'm driving a 2014 Land Cruiser as a daily driver today. And and uh, one of my projects over the last couple of years has been kind of converting it into a, an overland rig, much right. the same way that I did my uh, 20 my my 84. Um, so it's got it's been well both of them, but you know full lockers and and lifted and tires, yeah. for, forged wheels and uh, skid plates and uh, rooftop tan on it today. Dual battery system, air compressor, uh, 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 what do you call it? the the refrigerator in the back for my right. food, and I got solar. I got a solar panel connection for it and some 200 watts of solar panels on it. There, there's there's a thirty year thirty year difference between those two those two land crews. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. Right. And so, do you feel because you're adding all of these different bits of equipment to them, right? Is, is there one or the other that that makes the difference when 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 you take your rig out? Um, like with the with the rooftop tent, for example. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know my 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 19 my 84 my FJ60 does not have a rooftop tent. I actually made a uh, an interior with drawer drawer system in it, which actually unfolds to be like a queen size bed, so I can sleep on top of my gear. Really? With, yeah, which is pretty cool. I made it apply. I designed it using SolidWorks, and I built it in my garage using plywood. Right. And and uh, what I I liked being able to sleep in my car, but what I don't I feel like I was in a greenhouse. Um, cause I'm, cause it, I was like a, like maybe like a display there. So I, when I bought on the new one, I put in the rooftop tent. I love the rooftop tent. You know, it, it makes me feel safe from animals or, or even people. I love the, the view up there. It just, it just has a really nice feeling. I think what I, what I, if the one thing about the rooftop, my wife would say, and the same wife I still have when I sold the very first uh, Bronco. Yeah. But uh, one she doesn't like about the rooftop tent is climbing down there in the middle of the night. Sometimes if you have to use the facilities, yes, bit, of a nu- yeah. bit of a nuisance. <laughs> and and for me, she likes to camp in one spot for several days. But I have to go on side adventures, and I have to and to have to put the tent down to go on my adventures is a little bit of a nuisance. So sometimes right. I I still find myself pitching a tent. <laughs> Absolutely right, especially if you're gonna, you know, yeah, the town or something like that, or find a new road. Yeah, yeah, you gotta, you got you're, yeah. We we often end up in one spot for two or three days, and I and I need to be moving around, so it forces me to relax a little more. So maybe that's good. That, that is a good thing. That is, yeah. good. Those, those those rooftop tents are surprisingly roomy. Oh, spacious and comfortable, and they have they have a they have a nice quieting uh, effect. Mine has a, a hard shell. And so mm-hmm. it really it does a good job of de- of deadening sound as well. Which I mean, if you're by a river, I, I kind of like the sound of a river. But if you're anywhere close to other people or, or traffic, it's really yeah. a, a it's really a benefit when it comes to sound deadening. That's fantastic. What well, what did you choose for tires? Tires. I have uh, 34 by 10.5 BF Goodrich All Terrains, nice. which are which are my very favorites. I put them on every vehicle. Save for one that I have that has mud trains on it, but there is a difference, isn't there, between the between the alls? Yeah, I I find that the 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 BFG all terrain um, is good at everything. At the same time, it's really not a it's not it's probably not a hundred percent on any one thing, but it's like ninety percent at everything. Which I since I you know I do drive to work every day, I really appreciate that. But it's I've I've used the all terrains on the Rubicon Trail. I use them on the beach. Mm -hmm. I use them going up to the mountain in the snow, and I, I find that they're great in all those conditions and that is um, something to remark about is the snow because i've had those same ones on, yeah, our, yeah. on our on our sierra we had. And yeah yeah i'm running um and then my other my third vehicle is a jeep wrangler rubicon two-door 
and it's kind of so the I guess it's thematically it's a rock crawler. So the Land Cruiser is an overlander. The Jeep is more of a rock crawler. So it's also lifted and skidded, um, and it also has uh, snorkel and dual battery system. Uh, a lot of lights, rock lights, and off road lights. And explains um, dual batteries, right? <laughs> and, and it's all yeah. It's really it's really designed. It has a plug in for the refrigerator, so I can move it over. But yeah. it's really it's really complete. You know, steel bumpers and thirty five inch tires on that one. Thirty five wow. uh, Kevlar. Uh, sidewall mud terrain tires. Heck of, um, heck of a difference in wheelbase there for when you're. Well, yeah, that was that was my learning. I, when I told you before, I went on the Rubicon Trail with my FJ60. Yeah, I learned that man to be on a long wheelbase like that, you're you got to be on 37 inch tires. Which for me, I I like my car has to be totally highway drivable. I don't tow any. I don't tow my cars anywhere. I drive them to my destination. That's and, my, and, yeah. and my and my goal is to be able to drive it home again. <laughs> and so I try to build cars that not only can get there, but can get back and get through. Um, and so th- for me, 37s are kind of out of the, they're just a little too big for true, true everyday use. It is. It's like trying to do surgery with chainsaw, right? Yes. <laughs> Instead of a scalpel, it's, it's just not. Yeah, it's, it's, they're great off road. And I get tempted every once in a while, like, I mean, a Jeep should have 37s or the FJ60, but I remember, no, I've got to be able to drive it to the Rubicon, not just, Drive it on the Rubicon. Yeah, pull yourself back. From that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've been overlanding in a lot of different locations, and there in the Pacific Northwest, and in in the beautiful BC interior. Um, I mean, was there a favorite um, feature that you had in, say, someone else's rig that you might have rented um, if you were yeah. away from home, yeah. or one that you've put in yourself? Yeah, amazing, amazing trip we took just before the pandemic um, broke out was uh, kind of went with an overlanding group up to Canada. Yeah. And there we got to rent a four-door Jeep Rubicon and go out on the, I think it was Snoqualmish River. And uh, it was, w- what amazing scenery and amazing terrain. It wasn't the most rugged off-road terrain, not like a Rubicon trail, but just to be out uh, 30 miles from the nearest person uh, next to a river filled with salmon was just a, a fantastic experience. I, I really, it was one of those times when I appreciated having a rooftop tent as well, because you could, you know, I was imagining seeing a bear come out of the forest, unfortunately, or <laughs> fortunately, I'm not sure which never did. Uh, right. But I, w- I would have been glad to have been up on the roof, at least as uh, giving me at least 10 more seconds warning before a bear would have burst through my door. <laughs> when you're six feet up in the air, yes, Mr. Bear, those it, it, it helps a little bit, right? It helps you feel yeah. a little safer up there. But it, man, what a beautiful trip! And and actually, that was the trip that even uh, brought me clo- uh, gained my interest in uh, fly fishing, uh, which I've learned uh, is very uh, not only is it fun to catch fish, but it's kind of meditative being out there, you know, casting your line in the water and yeah. and uh, each each one of those. It's like buying a lottery ticket each cast. You know, you're you're hopeful each time that this is the one where you're gonna bring a fish in and in the end of the day it doesn't matter if you do or don't because you got no. food you got food just, cooler. <laughs> you got food cooler and exactly right and you're just out there you're right there having a good time. You might be with friends or you might be with colleagues and it's just every cast is just yeah. one more cast. One more cast. Yeah. Yeah, one more cast. And I've I've also learned that I can really forget about things when I'm casting the line in the water. Yeah, you got the white noise of the river and you got the the focus of trying to get your fly to land in the right spot and yeah. not and not get tangled up in the whatever's behind you, whether it's people or trees. And uh it just it just takes all your attention. It's just it's just a it's just a great way to relax. 
It really is. It really is. And and with you know those types of rigs that you've got and the four door wrangler or four door wrangler that you yeah. mentioned, you can you can you can get close to those things and don't yeah. have to hike twenty miles into the yeah river. yeah. The, the one we rented, I think, it was a twenty twenty one. It was a JL Jeep, yeah. uh, and uh, mine's an 09, the one I own back at home. And I was surprised at how how little has changed from 09 to twenty twenty one to twenty nineteen or whatever year that one was. Wonderfully familiar, but you know it was a great. It's a great. They're a great vehicle for sure. They are. They're so great, just right out of the box. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to do a ton of stuff to those to make them no. highly capable. Makes sense why they are so <clears throat> popular in not just the overlanding community, but the general mm-hmm. off-road community. I think. Oh yeah. And you've got so you've got a um, an older Bronco too. Is that right? <laughs> that was my other one. Yeah, that's my that's my last one. I I have I guess my fourth one. I have yeah. four. So the, the the that is more of a. It's not. A, I wouldn't call it a restoration, but it's pretty true to the, what it was like when it was new. I mean, it's it's right. not it's not restored because I actually take it camping. In fact, I'm going camping tomorrow in it. Awesome. Um, so it's it's still used for camping and off road and in the beach. But it's not used for uh, so it's not. But it's not modified like my Jeep or my no. my Land Cruisers. So it's it does have 32 inch tires on it and a lift kit. But that and actually the entire drivetrain's been replaced or upgraded with a V8 and an auto and disc brakes and power steering. I enjoy how you said it's not modified, but I've got you know. <laughs> but, a V8 but you can't, and but you can't see those an aluminum radiator. But you can't see those things, right? They're 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 under the hood. They're under the they're in the drivetrain. So to the outside, it's just a an old uncut old Bronco. Even has original paint and everything it's on neat, it. So right? it. It just it just looks. People come to me and when they see that one in the grocery store, and they start they tell me the story about their dads or their old Bronco. Um, and I and I, I I enjoy, you know, meeting people who have an interest in those things as well. Absolutely, having finding you know those like minded <laughs> groups and when when you rock up in a is, is it the sixty eight. Bronco? It's a 67. 67, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. When, you, when, when you rock up in a 67 Bronco and you've got something in common with the person who is asking you all these questions? Yeah, yeah. you find out. You, you immediately find out who has you, who has something. It's like, you know, you can put a bumper sticker on there to maybe tell people about a little bit about yourself, or you can just drive a vehicle uh, that tells people about yourself. And That's right. And you can and, have fun with the vehicle. The bumper sticker can, is just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The neat thing about the Bronco is that there's such a community, and and especially with the new 2021 come um, that has been out. Um, yeah, there there's a Bronco um, meet when you go tomorrow. There's going to be more than just yourself. Oh yeah, yeah. So that's my camping trip is going to the uh, Pacific Northwest Bronco Roundup. Okay. So I guess by the time you you know our your listeners hear this, it'll have been it'll have already happened. But mm-hmm. you know, each year about 200. First generation Broncos will gather in, at in Florence, Oregon, at uh, Honeyman State Park, and you know they'll. It's really just you're just camping. It's like a cruise in with three days of camping. So you're just visiting with people at all the campsites. That every one of them brought a Bronco, uh, trading stories, trading parts, you know, helping each other fix them. I mean, usually half of them are broken, and at some point during the weekend or the week, because they are from 1966 or 67 or 76. Um, absolutely and so yeah there's a little repairing a little camaraderie and uh you know a few meetups in the sand and then some parking lots maybe some restaurants you know last year during covid it was a little little unusual and i guess this year it'll be similarly unusual I, yeah it'll still be great it's an outdoor event so it, it doesn't tend to get impacted as much as as uh, sporting events or something like that 
No, that's right, because you've got that distance. But I, you're exactly right. But once you're part of a, a group like that, I, I, I've always found, anyways, people in that sphere to be very oh. welcoming and very helping of each other. And Oh, yeah, sharing oh. stories and sharing ideas. And you see, oh, how did you adapt those brakes to your vehicle? And yeah. and what, what challenge did you encounter? And, like, yeah, I'm not doing that, or I am going to do that. You know, you learn a little bit about you know, all the different ways to modify it. We actually spent, my friend and I spent, uh, I helped him and I definitely didn't do it all by any means, but we helped, we built a roll cage for his Bronco over the, okay. over the summer and, uh, we'll be taking it to the, his Bronco will be there as well. And it'll be his first uh, time out of the garage with the new roll cage. We didn't get any paint on it. So we're, we're I think we might time-lapse photograph, time-lapse photograph it and see how long it takes to rust. Uh, but it'll be so that'll be interesting. But I I think we'll get some interest from other Bronco people in the in in the in the design of the roll cage. <laughs> I bet you're right. You'll probably be asked for if you used any files to design it, right? You'll be asked for those files. <laughs> we'll be yeah. Actually, there are some files. We did use some some CAD and some lasers to produce yeah. some of the parts. Uh, so we'll we'll see how it uh, we'll see how it goes. I I think there'll be some people who are interested in it for sure, and probably judging us for not painting it. <laughs> Well, they can paint their own. Hey, Buck. Yeah, it'll be painted, right? but not. it wasn't ready in time, so it's going unpainted. Yeah, so that is so cool because that's not something that you can just buy off the shelf. Yeah. No, well, there are kits. You can buy them, but, of course, yeah. we, we had to have one. Yeah, you know, the, the kits are designed to fit underneath, you know, the least common denominator of soft top, hard top, gotcha. no top, and, and we wanted one that was really designed to fit as closely as possible inside of the top so that you couldn't see it through the windows when the hard top was installed it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty cool it is pretty cool we haven't actually put the top on it to see how it looks with the top on but yeah yeah, i'm sure it's gonna be awesome what v8 did you put in yours what's that well what what size engine did you put in yours i know you said v8 Uh, oh that's a 289 yeah mine actually came original with a 289 so but i've got a so i I, well, I had it rebuilt, but it had it souped up a little bit while I'm at it. So it's a it's the original 289, but it's rebuilt with uh, okay. roller ro- roller rockers and threaded studs and a cam and and um, what else did I do in that thing? Four barrel carburetor. Right. It's pretty. It's still simple. I mean, for me, I, I, I like I like I don't need a lot of horsepower. I just wanted it to be reliable, simple, quality build. That when I turn the key, it starts, and when I turn the key off, it stops. And yeah, that That's- was my goal. That's the biggest thing about a lot of this stuff is that it's reliable and that you can yeah. depend on it once you're out there on the trail. And and technically, it's still numbers matching if it's the same and block. It's the same engine still, yeah. It's, it's yeah. So it's nothing else in there is original but the engine. Hey there, Andrew McCready here from Post Media's Plugged In Podcast, the half-hour show taking you down Canada's electric vehicle highway. Super excited to be launching Season 5 in mid-October, with a full slate of guests covering all the EV topics that matter to you and our planet. Just as with seasons past, we'll be talking to the experts and the everyday people who are driving the EV revolution forward in this country and around the world. Be sure to check out all the past episodes by subscribing to Plugged In wherever you listen to your podcasts or at driving.ca. With the land cruisers that you have. um, Yeah the 60 and the 200, did you do any mechanical changes to those guys? I mean, Uh, the the overlanding stuff is absolutely epic. Yeah. On the FJ 60, I did put in, uh, so I have four ten gears in it with, with, uh, ARB air lockers and onboard air to operate those. Right. So it's fully locking. 
and then it's got 33, 33 by 10 and a half inch tires, which, you know, when I put those on 20 years ago, that was seemed like a huge upgrade. Now, nowadays it's, it's a pretty small tire for the size of vehicle that it is. But, uh, so those, but engine wise, no, I, you know, I never, I almost never change engines and vehicle change engines from stock stuff. Cause I just, I'm, I'm, I'm it's, the reliability of the vehicle is really important to me. And I've, I've, I've never experienced upgrades, quote unquote upgrades, um, that actually improve reliability. They almost always improve performance, uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm, I don't need to get there fast. I just need to get there and back. Yeah. And that's, you know what, that's, that's some, that's really good advice for upgrading for <laughs> if any of your listeners are going to be like, okay, I'm going to upgrade my stuff for overlanding. Yeah. Yeah, you need to get in there, but you need to get back too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, when you up, when I upgrade, if I had a beefed up the engine in my Jeep or my Land Cruiser, you know, I, I'd be on the trail and I'd hit the gas pedal and instead of the, in, instead of the thing going slow, it's, you know, it's going to twist a U-joint or I'm going to pop a gear somewhere. I, I just don't need that. I'd, I'd no, rather have it be, I'd rather have it be matched up properly. That's the ticket. Match it up properly because you're right. Then you start twisting yeah. off drive shafts like candy canes. And yeah. yeah, that's fantastic. I just, I just love the attention to detail. It sounds like you put a lot of attention to detail for someone. Yeah. You're, you're, you're designing, an interior for the 60, um, yeah. a, a roll cage for your friend's Bronco. So that, I mean, that type of attention to detail probably serves you well when you're out on the trail, do you think? Yeah, well, yeah, for sure. I mean, we the, the thing about building, one of the things about building your own vehicle that's important also is when you're on the trail and something breaks, you got a good, you got a good sense of what broke and how it broke and how to right. fix it. Um, whereas if you're, if you, if you're not doing some, at least some of the work yourself and not familiar with it, you're, you might be more reliant on somebody else or, or just plain stuck. Right. Waiting yeah. for somebody to show up. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, sometimes that can be pretty lonely while you're waiting. Yeah, you it know, can the, be. The wolf's howling in the, in the distance, right? Yeah. I, and I, I usually travel with, you know, in my, in my ideal case, I'd travel with two friends in their vehicles. I, I always I always feel like three vehicles is perfect. You know, one if you're with one other vehicle, one of you has to st- you know one gets left behind and one goes. If you have two vehicles, you know one can stay and one can go. Yeah. Well, with, with somebody could stay with the broken vehicle and somebody can go to get parts or help as needed. But if you get once you start getting up past three vehicles, four or five or more, then you start running into well. First of all, you have the negotiation of what time to get up and leave and come back and all that. Uh, but in addition, yeah. you just you just increase the odds of somebody breaking something. <laughs> You're right; it does go up exponentially. It does go yeah. up logarithmically. It goes up exponentially. Yeah, every time you add another vehicle, especially with these old, especially if we're doing old vehicles like the Broncos. I mean, the odds of you know each one of them is a thirty percent chance it's going to break, and three of them means you got a ninety percent chance. Five means one hundred and fifty percent chance. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, that's fantastic. Yeah, so. Just- just before we mm-hmm. go, um, I, I just want to ask it's something I try to ask, you know, for, for um, all our guests, you know, um, has there been either something from your vehicles that you've added or, or a, um, a feature that you've put on them or something like an accessory or even an entire new truck that's surprised you recently? My, when, I, when people buy an off-road vehicle, when one of my friends buys one and I tell them the first thing I think they need to do it's surprising the t- the the first three you know the first thing is usually tires and a couple of inches of lift to make clearance for those tires. But right. after the after tires, the next thing I tell people they probably should get is an air compressor. To be honest, <laughs> really <laughs> because, okay, yeah, because because I I 
if you're when you go off road, when you go on the beach on sand or in rocks or hill climbing, it makes such a huge difference to drop your air pressure to, to ten or fifteen psi. And you can only do that if you can put the air back up to 32 PSI when you're done. And I, I find that the air compressor gets used of all of my gear. I probably use the air compressor the most. Yeah. It, it smooths out the road. It improves traction. It just does so much for you off-road. So I, yeah. I think that an air compressor is a really uh, underrated or maybe under-discussed important off-road uh, tool for my vehicle. And, you know, after that, you know, everybody wants to put on a winch. And, and uh, yeah. truth is, I try never to use my winch, and I almost never do. You know, I'll, I'll use a toe strap ten times to the one time on a winch. Um, but a winch I, can, is, I can understand why. <laughs> That's really, really good advice about having the air compressor with you, right? Yeah. Oh, you got to have it with you. And, I, you know, my friends all have one. So you, I can use theirs, but it's a bit of a nuisance to wait for, yeah. for them to first do four tires before I do my four tires. <laughs> No. absolutely so air compressor would be my, my 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 first advice to people i i do i have to say i really do love my rooftop tent i bought that during the covid uh you know when i couldn't travel anymore i'm thought, okay i'm gonna go camping i'm gonna buy this rooftop tent and, and i i love the space that it creates for me inside of my vehicle i love That's the true. experience it's so comfortable to sleep up there and it's yeah. and, and i appreciate this the safety and I, I appreciate the view and the and the quiet that comes with it and i also appreciate that it makes it comfortable enough that you know i can get my wife she likes to sleep up yeah. there uh, yeah. more so than setting up a, a tent on the ground and so it's been it's been great on on all of those aspects that's fantastic ben thank you so much for joining us yeah we love hearing your stories well well matthew i i appreciate being invited to to join you guys um and, and I appreciate uh, everybody who. Well, I, I should have asked. I should have added this to my important list. Of What's course, the, Le- the Leatherman tool goes without speaking. <laughs> well, that, well that, that's just part of the that standard company issue, isn't it? <laughs> I can't. I couldn't honestly. I honestly. I, I take it for granted, of course, because I've I've got thirty Leatherman tools around my house. I'm sure, but uh, yeah. for pulling out screws out of tires and for filing uh, electrical contacts and fixing wires, I mean, unbelievable how often I'll use my Leatherman tool. Uh, on around the campsite, lifting a hot object out of the fire, cutting into a package of food. Yeah. You know, it's it's not people buy a Leatherman tool for all the things that they imagine that they're going to do with it, and then it's the value comes from all the things you didn't imagine you were going to do with it. And, uh, and 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 I can't, I couldn't, you know, even if I didn't work at Leatherman Tools, which of course I do, so you, yeah. you take it with a grain of salt. But even if I didn't, I'd tell you, you got to have a, a some kind of a multi tool um, because. And you have to have it with you when you, because you, it's it's in the moment of need when that thing turns into the your best friend. Yeah, it's no good. It's no good in the drawer. Right? It's no good at home. It's only good, and, and it's it's okay in the glove box, but it's even better on your in your pocket or on your belt. I like the free series. That's my everyday carry. I like that's that's that. also my everyday carry as well. I I carry a free because I can open every single tool with one hand. So while I'm holding on to something, I can grab it and get a screwdriver or a knife or a pair of pliers out. Um, just one hand them without looking most times yeah and I, I believe me I've tried carrying other products even even other brands of products but folding knives and, and 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 things like that and I just I have a folding knife in my Leatherman tool and I have all this other stuff too and so exactly. I, just, I just can't put it down I love it so, that's awesome thank you so much I really appreciate it and yeah, it's a great show thank you so much thank you for inviting me thank you Matthew that's been Rivera CEO of Leatherman Tool Group and an 
avid off-road gearhead. It was great to hear about what he feels are some of the first modifications a person should make to their truck or SUV if they're planning to go overlanding. And he's exactly right that most of us like to tack a winch or something like that onto the front of our vehicles right away. I mean, that stuff looks so cool. But a simple air compressor is a great spend of money because that can make the difference between a good day and a bad day out on the trail. My main takeaways from his advice? Start with a good base of vehicle for overlanding. His 60 series and 200 series Land Cruisers are great examples, as is the Jeep. And be judicious in your selection of modifications. A well thought out build can be a lot more reliable than a simple jerry-rigged machine. And oh yeah, always carry a good Leatherman multi-tool with you. But that's it for our episode and indeed this season. Big thanks to this week's guest Ben Rivera, producer Adam Foster, and all the listeners for joining us on the Truck Guy Podcast. Be sure to check out driving.ca where you'll find the best in truck reviews, videos, and breaking news. While you're there, use the site's automotive comparison tool for head-to-head shopping and sign up for the Blindspot newsletter. That'll be delivered to your inbox every Saturday morning and featuring a roundup of the past week's most important automotive news. And be sure to subscribe to The Truck Guy wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon Music. So you can hear this truck-loving Newfoundlander and his guests tell a few stories while talking about pickup trucks and 4x4s. We hope to see you right back here for Season 2 of The Truck Guy Podcast. Thanks for listening. (music) 